You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're doing a continuation of something we did last week, which is a solutions table review. This is a, uh, The solutions tables from the Corrective Exercise Specialist course we did foot and ankle last week, so today we're going to talk about the knee, the knee, the knee. Doesn't make sense, does it? So NASM uses something called the Postural Structural Biomechanical Model. Um, sometimes referred to as just a biomechanical model, but we look at, at posture, we look at structure, we look at biomechanics. We don't do this to address pain, but we definitely do this to address movement. And to be honest, some people, many people can do things with poor form in our estimation when it comes to what we refer to as standards of movement, and they ain't never going to get bothered by it. May never bother them to be in a knee valgus, may never bother them to be in a knee knocked position, but it may. But also, uh, it's not whether or not it causes pain. It's also whether or not it supports performance. And a valgus is really an energy leak where we are usually trying to squat up and down. But when our knees move medial, go into valgus, and then to stand up, they go back out laterally into more of a neutral position, then we've spent a lot of time and energy going and a lot of time in it. You know what I'm saying? Like the, we didn't have to go medially and laterally to go up and down. All we had to do is go up and down. So that's an energy leak, an energy leak over time, uh, especially over high intensity, the high production of force and velocity, uh, high production of strength steals from our ability to produce at our highest level. So this is about performance. It is not just about pain, but we have people sometimes that are bothered. Their knees ache. Their knees bug them when they do certain things. I was told I can't squat. My doctor said not to do squats. I can't do squats. And we look at them squat, and then we go, well, no wonder you shouldn't do squats. Have you seen your squat? Oh, my goodness. Somebody call a trainer and see if we can address it. Why? It's not that you can't do squats. It's probably that you're a knee squatter and that you have valgus. You've got a double whammy and people are looking at the, the doctors say, oh, you know, you know, the old saying, hey, doc, it bothers me when I do this. Well, I don't do it. Well, that's the kind of what we're looking at here. A lot of physicians saying, hey, don't do squats because it's going to bother your knees. And really what we can do is help support them by looking at their movement and see if we can support them. So what we want to do is we want to look at knee valgus. Valgus, it just means knock-kneed position. Genu valgus, knee is being knocked together. Well, what are some of the reasons that the knees knock together? Well, we're going to look at the corrective exercise model as to whether or not we know why. A lot of times we look at it and we say, well, there could be a component of muscles being short, tight, and overactive that are causing the knees to knock. There are other muscles that do the opposite joint action in this biomechanical model that aren't strong enough 
to keep that from happening. So they allow it to happen through their weakness. They allow things to happen. Well, we ain't allowing it to happen. We are here to fix it. We are here to do what we can as a fitness professional to prepare people for movement, not to spend an entire session doing just correctives. Now, if that's what they hire us for as a corrective exercise specialist, we can probably come up with a 60-minute program to focus on that. However, uh, I really like to get people fitter. And I like to do that by having them do a warm-up, a movement prep that allows for better movement so that when you do this warm-up and you focus on table 12.5 in your corrective exercise model, where we have a sample corrective exercise program for knee valgus. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at what muscles might be short, tight, overactive that we might want to inhibit through the means of self-myofascial rolling, or as we'd like to call it, foam rolling. Uh, there's nothing magical about foam. It just happens to be what many of the rollers were made out of, and we started calling it that. But you can use any tool that helps to support this inhibitory process. Well, if the knees adduct, if the knees is knocked together, if the knees adduct, I'm gonna say it again, if the knees add, adduct, what muscle group might cause adduction to take place? If you said adductor complex, in your head or screamed it out loud at your radio while in your car, you would be correct. It is the adductor complex that causes adduction to take place. Generally, when adduction takes place, it cannot take place without also internally rotating. So there is a frontal plane component, adduction in the frontal plane, and there is a transverse plane component, internal or medial rotation in the transverse plane. So the adductor complex causing the knee knock position, adduction and internal rotation. Well, what other muscles could potentially do that? Well, this one's kind of interesting. I always put this one on the list. A lot of people forget that this is even a muscle if you ever knew it was a muscle. It is called the tensor fascia lata or the TFL, not latte. It is not a milky espresso drink. It is a little muscle with a very long tendon. In fact, the TFL, tensor fascia lata, goes from, uh, it's even got fascia in the name, you think about it. it. Its muscle is right kind of at the front pocket. It goes from the, the ASIS of the um, uh, iliac uh, and then goes into the IT band, the iliotibial band, where the iliotibial component of the iliotibial band is the TFL. It is that fascia that goes and blends in with that muscle, and that muscle blends in with that fascia, connects to the IT band, and the TFL. It can do abduction, but it is a flexor and an internal rotator because it is kind of like the front corner of our body. It can move in the frontal plane, it can move in the transverse plane, and it can move in the sagittal plane. It's got a lot of different options, but sometimes it gets overactive and it starts to work. It will work by shifting into internal rotation. So the, it's like the adductors 
are, are going this way. It is an abductor, but not a very strong one. So as the adductors go in, that muscle, the TFL tightens and continues to twist into the internal rotation. Well, also the in a closed chain, the biceps femoris short head can also be a component that leads to the adduction of the knee. So what happens, this is something referred to uh, sometimes as the bowstring effect. It is on the lateral side of the knee, the biceps femoris, it crosses over the back of the knee uh, and into um, from the top of the knee to the bottom of the knee. As it contracts, it squeezes medially. So in a closed chain position, the, the biceps femoris gets short, and as it shortens, it squeezes and shifts the knee into a medial pointing position, a knee knock position, or a genu valgus position. So what can we do? We're going to foam roll those three muscle groups, the adductors. Remember, the adductors are a muscle group of a lot of muscles. Peanut butter leaves me greasy. Peanut butter. All right. Peanut is going to be the pectineus. Butter adductor brevis, peanut butter leaves longus, adductor longus, me magnus, leaves me greasy gracilis. Gracilis is the only muscle there that crosses over the knee joint and is part of that pezanserine complex uh, that can also do medial rotation at the knee. So we've got a large muscle group of the adductors. I'm going to foam roll it foam roll, the biceps femoris, short head in particular, and the TFL. We're going to hold these for about 30 seconds, and then we're going to stretch all of them. We're going to stretch the adductors. We're going to stretch the biceps femoris. We're going to stretch the TFL. Now, the adductors, pretty easy stretch to do. Um, by You want to abduct, and because most of the adductors are um, anterior tilters of the pelvis or their hip flexors, in order to stretch it, you're going to do a posterior pelvic tilt while focusing on abducting the, the legs. Usually one leg at a time is a better way to do it. Um, and then you're going to get the, the biceps femoris. The biceps femoris short head is stretched by stretching the, the long head. You're going to internally rotate at the hip, and you're going to extend the knee. And if it gets too nervy, because it can get really nervy for a lot of people, instead of holding it for 30 seconds, just go right into the active stretches. So extend the knee, hold for one to two seconds, and let the knee come back down. Extend the knee, hold for one to two, and then flex the knee back down. And then the TFL. The TFL stretches can be pretty tricky. So my favorite stretch is I cross one leg over the other, kind of like this uh, cross-body stretch. You've probably done the, the pretzel stretch where you bring the knee to the opposite shoulder. So that stretches the posterior hip. You can do that same stretch, but instead of pulling the knee to the opposite shoulder, you're going to push the knee away. And that can be a very good TFL stretch for a lot of people. If not, you can do a standard hip flexor stretch and focus on externally rotating the leg to get the TFL-focused uh, stretch. All right. Now we got to activate because there's the reason the knees go in is because the muscles that are supposed to pull them out are not doing their job. So what muscles may not be doing their job? The glutes, the glute complex. So I've got the glute max and glute medius primarily 
which are abductors and external rotators. And those are going to be the muscles we really would need to focus on to strengthen in order to minimize and then hopefully eradicate the knee valgus that is taking place. Knee valgus is part of a pronation and over pronation can be very, very dangerous, especially when you start doing things like jumping and well, not jumping, landing. The jump doesn't hurt the knee. The landing in a rapid valgus movement is if you wanted to design a recipe, you're like, how can I cook up an ACL tear? I would like, can I order an ACL tear, please? And you're like, this is what it would look like. I want you to decelerate while having the knee go into a valgus position and the foot rotating out and you have snapped it. There you go. Just what the doctor ordered. Uh, so in order to minimize that, you want to calm down all of these overactive muscles and you want to start strengthening glute medius and gluteus maximus, 10 to 15 repetitions, focus on a four second eccentric, two second uh, isometric hold, and then a one set, second concentric. And then one of the good exercises that point out is that you want to actually put a band around the outside of your knees. And you can start doing some squats, so integrated exercises with squats um, by doing the bands around the knees can be very, very, very helpful. Well, we also have um, really the, the opposite of the knee valgus, which is the knee varus. Sometimes people are coached to squat in knee varus. And I would argue that if you squat in knee varus, very many times you are going to single leg squat in a knee valgus. Now, if you do a double leg squat in knee valgus, you will also single leg squat in knee valgus. <clears throat> what is varus? Varus, so if knee valgus is the knee's bow uh, uh, knock in, then varus is the knee's bow out. Now, what are some of the muscles that we would want to foam roll in that particular uh, situation. Well, it could be that the, the adductors are, are becoming problematic as well. So it could still be overactive. But then we also have the piriformis that can be overactive, the TFL that can be overactive. And those could be muscles that we want to address in varus. We would static stretch them. We will, uh, after we foam roll them, but really then focus on isolating. So I want to isolate particular muscle groups. And in those muscle groups, <clears throat> one of the muscle groups that you want to focus on is still the glute medius and the glute maximus. Now the gluteus medius and the gluteus maximus, um, even though the glute max and the glute medius are internal rotator, uh, sorry, external rotators, they can contribute to the stabilization here. But then start looking at the medial hamstring group. The medial hamstring group as an isolated strengthening exercise because the lateral hamstrings are the ones that get a lot of attention. They can abduct at the hip so they can externally rotate at the hip. The medial hamstrings do the opposite of that. So to create balance in the force here, we want to add strength to the medial hamstrings. Now, one of the things that you can look at is that a medial hamstring group can oftentimes be overactive if you just watch them uh, lie face down and you say, curl your, so like you're doing a, a leg curl and let me see it. Or you can have them sit off of a bench 
and say, curl your legs back. And they don't even have to have resistance. If you see their feet turn out, then they're going to be biceps femoris dominant and they could use some medial hamstring activations. So <clears throat> we can focus on adding strength to the medial hamstrings in isolation. 10 to 15 repetitions, focus on a four second eccentric, two second isometric, one second concentric. And then you can do things like supported squats with, um, with like a medicine ball between the knees, because as the knees bow out, you're going to squeeze against the medicine ball to keep the knees in. We want to keep the knees in. We want to strengthen the adductors, the glute max, the medial hamstrings, and then support that through an integrated dynamic movement like squats while squeezing something in your knees. Now, again, sometimes you can cue people momentarily out of varus, out of valgus, but if they keep going there, then it needs to be corrected. But don't spend your entire life focusing on corrective exercise if you're not focused at all on corrective cueing. Corrective cueing is vital. But if you can't cue them out of it, corrective strategies need to be implemented. And I believe in you. I believe that you can implement these strategies. And I believe you can do that <clears throat> relatively easily at the beginning of a workout with a little bit of foam rolling, a little bit of stretching, some isolated activation exercises. And the integrated exercises are actually part of the workout. It's getting you doing part of the workout. So doing these exercises, doing these warm-ups are smart warm-ups. Man, it's way smarter than just saying, hey, get on the treadmill and warm up. It's way smarter than just saying foam roll a couple of things and warm up or do some jumping jacks or whatever it is that people do to warm up, some jump rope. None of that is wrong, but none of that is specific. So if you can address something that specifically is going on in somebody's body to help them have better movement, you are making better decisions and you are really putting yourself up as a, a more sophisticated trainer and how you start to deliver your programming. Because they got to do a warm-up anyway. You might as well do one that meets them where they are and supports them in where they want and need to go when it comes to their movement and their performance. Thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. And if you want to reach out to me, you may have questions or you want something to be answered on the pod, then reach out to me. You can do that on Instagram at dr.rickritchie. Just hit me with a DM. Or you can email me rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.